You are listening to audio from Hope Church Ipswich. For more information about our church, please visit www.hopechurchipswich.net. Nice to see lots of uh, new faces here today. You're very welcome. If you're visiting from other towns, visiting families over summer and things, thank you for coming. It's great to have you with us. Um, as Matt said, my name's Tim. I'm, um, I'm part of the leadership here. And uh, we're going to be continuing in our I Am series uh, from the book of John. If you've got your Bible with you, turn to John 11. We're going to be looking at I Am the Resurrection and the Life. Fantastic choice of songs really went with our theme today to help us in our, get our hearts ready for it. We've looked at I Am the Bread of Life. I Am the Light of the World. I Am the Great I Am. I'm the Good Shepherd. I Am the Door. Last week, Morris took quite a sober look at what it means that I am the door, Jesus said, recognizing the shepherd's voice, listening to it and obeying it. To know you've gone through the door is to know you have new affections and new conscience, new hopes and desires, and that in those you can trust and obey the shepherd. So that was last week. Um, but I said last time I spoke that the I am, the I am declarations of Jesus, proclamations, the I am statements were... Not just a way of him describing himself, I'm like this, I'm like this, but really in him showing us his essence. This is who I am. You look for this in this area, I want to tell you I am that thing. So he spoke into context, he spoke into confusion. So when we looked at the shepherd, he was speaking to uh, the Pharisees who he was saying, you're like wolves, you're like snakes, you're liars and thieves and robbers, you You're not coming to bring life. You're coming to take life and distort things and manipulate. I am the good shepherd. I come to give life and life in abundance. So you see how he speaks into context. He's speaking about I am the door. He was speaking about others saying that there's another way. He's saying I am the door. I am the only way. You can't go to the Father except through me. I am the door. So he speaks into context. And today's context is incredible. It's an incredible story. I'm sure most of us would have heard this story. Some of us probably know it quite well. It's, it's uh, John chapter 11. If you're not sure where John is, it's the fourth book in the, in the New Testament towards the end of your Bible. And it will be on the screen, so don't panic if you haven't got it. But we will be in it for the entirety of our message, so do have it open. I'm going to read through the first 44 verses, but it is an exciting story, so you'll be able to keep up. Now a certain man was ill, Lazarus of Bethany, the village of Mary and her sister Martha. It was Mary who anointed the Lord with ointment and wiped his feet with her hair, whose brother Lazarus was ill. So the sisters sent to him, saying, Lord, he whom you love is ill. But when Jesus heard it, he said, this illness does not lead to death. It is for the glory of God, so that the Son of God may be glorified through it. Now Jesus loved Martha and her sister and Lazarus. So when he heard that Lazarus was ill, he stayed two days longer in the place where he was. Then after this, he said to the disciples, let us go to Judea again. The disciples said to him, Rabbi, the Jews were just now seeking to stone you. You're going there again? Jesus answered, are there not 12 hours in the day? If anyone walks in the day, he does not stumble because he sees the light of this world. But if anyone walks in the night, he stumbles because the light is not in him. After saying these things, he said to them, Our friend Lazarus has fallen asleep, but I go to awaken him. 
The disciples said to him, Lord, if he has fallen asleep, he'll recover. Now Jesus had spoken of his death, but they thought that he meant taking a rest in sleep. Then Jesus told them plainly, Lazarus has died. And for your sake, I'm glad that I was not there, so that you may believe. But let us go to him. So Thomas, called the twin, said to his fellow disciples, Let us also go, that we may die with him. Now when Jesus came, he found that Lazarus had already been in the tomb four days. Bethany was near Jerusalem, about two miles off. And many of the Jews had come to Martha and Mary to console them concerning their brother. So when Martha heard that Jesus was coming, she went and met him. But Mary remained seated in the house. Martha said to Jesus, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. But even now I know that whatever you ask from God, God will give you. Jesus said to her, your brother will rise again. Martha said to him, I know that he will rise again in the resurrection on the last day. Jesus said to her, I am the resurrection and the life. Whoever believes in me, though he die, yet shall he live. And everyone who lives and believes in me shall never die. Do you believe this? She said to him, yes, Lord, I believe that you are the Christ, the Son of God, who is coming into the world. When she had said this, she went and called her sister Mary, saying in private, the teacher is here and is calling for you. And when she heard it, she rose quickly and went to him. Now Jesus had not yet come into the village, but was still in the place where Martha had met him. When the Jews who were with her in the house, consoling her, saw Mary rise quickly and go out, they followed her, supposing that she was going to the tomb to weep there. Now when Mary came to where Jesus was and saw him, she fell at his feet, saying, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. When Jesus saw her weeping, And the Jews who had come with her also weeping, he was deeply moved in his spirit and greatly troubled. And he said, where have you laid him? They said to him, Lord, come, come and see. Jesus wept. So the Jews said, see how he loved him. But some of them said, could not he who opened the eyes of the blind man also have kept this man from dying? Then Jesus, deeply moved again, came to the tomb. It was a cave, and a stone lay against it. Jesus said, take away the stone. Martha, the sister of the dead man, said to him, Lord, by this time there will be an odor, for he has been dead four days. Jesus said to her, did I not tell you that if you believed, you would see the glory of God? So they took away the stone, and Jesus lifted up his eyes and said, Father, I thank you that you have heard me. I knew that you always hear me. But I said this on account of the people standing around, that they may believe that you sent me. When he had said these things, he cried out with a loud voice, Lazarus, come out. The man who had died came out, his hands and feet bound with linen strips and his face wrapped with a cloth. Jesus said to them, unbind him and let him go. And the story does continue that many Jews did believe. (laughs) Not surprising when you see that. But some of them went and told the Pharisees. And the Pharisees still were spiritually blind and continued in their plot to kill Jesus. After hearing this incredible thing that he had done. Not the first person that he had raised from the dead. But raising people from the dead and still being blind to who he was. Being threatened 
and trying to plot to kill him. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for the word of God revealed to us. We thank you so much, Jesus, for your desire to reveal yourself, your deity, your I am to us. We thank you that you're here with us today. We thank you that your spirit is among us. We ask you that you would break chains this morning, knock walls down in our hearts, help us to come to life where we are dead, breathe life into this room. We pray for you to have your way among us in Jesus' name. Just with our eyes closed, let's just pray. Father, speak to me today. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. So I want to speak to you about four things today. I've got uh, four things that Jesus reveals. I've got a nice alliteration for you to remember. Jesus' priority, Jesus' proclamation, Jesus' passion, and Jesus' proof. He reveals his priority. He reveals his proclamation to us. I am the resurrection and the life. And he reveals his passion, and he reveals proof of what he said. First of all, his priority. What do we see in our story? Well, if we put ourselves in the story without the benefit of hindsight and try and put ourselves where Mary and Martha was, it's distressing, it is intense, it's harrowing. They don't know he's going to raise their brother. They're confused about this, but all they know is that the brother they loved has died and Jesus was nowhere to be found. They're a family that Jesus loves. He has spent time with them. Mary and Martha are the ones who, when Jesus went to their house, they had a, a bit of a, an argument about, why are you sitting at Jesus' feet when I'm doing all the work? Do you remember that story? And, and Jesus said, hey, it's good to sit at my feet while I'm with you. It's a good choice. Mary is the one who, in the next chapter, goes to anoint Jesus' feet with, with expensive perfume and dry it with her hair. It's that family. And that's actually when he's reclining at the table with Lazarus. Isn't that incredible? In the next chapter, Lazarus has been dead for four days and Jesus raises him and goes, has, has, has a meal with him. Incredible. But Lazarus is ill. And in those times, you can imagine the heat, the dust, the, the lack of any medical skill and care. And they're looking out the window. They're walking down the street. Is Jesus coming? When is he coming? Jesus, where are you? We need you. They'd sent word to him, and he hadn't come. And they are looking around. They're distressed. Lazarus hasn't got much time. As, as they sent the message, the one whom you love is ill. The one whom you love. Come on, where are you? What's going on? Jesus says, this illness does not lead to death. It's for the glory of God, so that the Son of God may be glorified through it. Well, this is quite a bizarre statement. This illness does not lead to death. A few days later, he's dead. Jesus, what are you talking about? Well, I want us to see today throughout this passage that Jesus' definition of death is different to ours, is different to others. Of course, Jesus knew it won't end in death because I'm going to raise him again. But I think he was also, you know, he talks about Jairus' daughter who he raises from the death. She's just sleeping, he says. He's got a different definition of death than we do. He is so aware of life after death that he treats death very differently to we do. He knows this is a passage into either eternity with 
the Father or eternity separated from the Father. This is not the end. But actually, he knows, obviously, that he is planned. He says a number of times uh, that he is going to go to wake him up. He knows that that is also what he's talking about. Now, Jesus loved Martha and her sister and Lazarus, verses 5 and 6. So when he heard that Lazarus was ill, he stayed two days longer in the place where he was. What on earth is going on? I love this family. I've heard that he's ill, so I'm going to just stay here for a few days. Imagine phoning the ambulance. I'm having a heart attack. We really want to serve you well. We'll be there in a few days. My brother had someone knock, his next door neighbor knocked on his door, and he's, he knocked on the door and was standing there like, like this. He was choking, and he had no one in his house, so he ran to the nearest house, banged on the door. My brother was able to smack him or give him the Heimlich maneuver, whatever it is, and was actually able to save him. But imagine my brother said, I really love you. I want to care for you well. Shut the door. Go back to TV. It's bizarre. But this is the first point. Is What is Jesus' priority? Verses 14 and 15, he says to the disciples plainly, Lazarus has died, and for your sake, I'm glad that I wasn't there. Why? So that you may believe. This is his priority. That we believe, that we find in Jesus our answer. That we find in Jesus that we can trust him. That we find in him, you are what I need even more than the answer to my situation or my health. Or that he's, he's, he's helping us to see, what about, what about Lazarus though? His health is gone. No, there's a greater importance. It's more important that you know me. Even more important than health and Life and death and, yes, you believing is my priority. You knowing me, you trusting me is my priority. What about comfort, Jesus? What about peace? What about joy? What about health? Well, you can't have any of those unless you truly know me anyway. You can't have any of those things unless you know you get them from me. Martha says, Lord, if you'd been there, my brother would not have died. And obviously they'd been speaking for days and saying, you know, huddled up to it, probably sitting next to each other, just weeping and saying to each other, if Jesus had been here, if he'd been here, because they say exactly the same thing to Jesus. So it must have been on their tongues already, you know, it must have been speaking to each other. Lord, Mary says in verse 32, if you'd been here, my brother would not have died. Where were you? How could a loving God let this happen? Might be our question. When we go through struggles, when we go through heartache, when we go through pain, how could you let this happen? Well, Jesus is teaching us, I'm doing things like this so that people may believe, so that people may see that they are in need of life. I'll let him die so that we may see, I am the bringer of life. You're not going to find it anywhere else. Remember the story of the man who was lowered through the roof of a house by his friends so that Jesus could raise him up. He was crippled. And they knew if we take him to Jesus, he's the healer. He can heal him. Was Jesus' priority? Your sins are forgiven. Not get up then. Why would he make him stand up and let him walk if he was just standing up and walking in death? You need to raise to life. You need to know forgiveness of your sins. You need to know life in Jesus. I could sort your situation out. You're still dead. 
It doesn't actually solve the problem. I could go and help Lazarus, but I need people to see, to believe that I am who I say I am. So he, trusts, he does it that way so we can trust and believe. You need me. You think you need this? You need me. And I need you to ask yourself that question today. What does that look like for me? What in my life do I think I need this? And Jesus is saying, you need me. You don't need that. The Bible says, seek first the kingdom of God and the rest will be added to you. We seek first Jesus and we trust him for what he will give to us. He was dead for four days. And that's, that, that is uh, significant. He was dead dead. He was proper dead. I don't want to go through the details. But apparently you, you go into rigor mortis, your, your, your muscles stiffen. And then the blood drains and over 72 hours the, the muscles loosen again. And the bacteria comes in and uh, starts to eat your body. And a disgusting sight and a disgusting odor comes. And apparently in those days, that they, they, some of them would have a superstition that maybe the spirit or the soul of the person hadn't left for the first few days. It was kind of waiting around looking at its body. Is it dead? Is it gone? It's gone. Right, I'm going to go. That's their superstition. So it was, it was significant that Jesus waited. This is real death. This is gone. This is over. Spirit's not there anymore. Can't be revived. No excuses. So that was significant. And we come on to Jesus' proclamation. Verse 23. Jesus said to her, Your brother will rise again. Martha said to him, I know he will rise again in the resurrection on the last day. Jesus said to her, I am the resurrection and the life. Whoever believes in me, though he die, yet shall he live. And everyone who lives and believes in me shall never die. Those kind of categories of death that Jesus has. So he says, though he die, yet shall he live. And then he says, shall never die. So what's he talking about here? People will die, but they won't die. And Well, he's talking about his understanding of what death really is again. They'll die, but they will go on. Their soul will go on. They will be with the Father, or they won't be with the Father. They shall never die? Well, yes, we're talking about what it means to live with Christ, what it means to him, for him to say, I am the resurrection, I bring life. I bring what you're looking for. There's that fantastic quote in Braveheart, the movie, where he says, every man dies, but not every man really lives. I love that quote, it's great. Jesus is saying, you might have this, these bookends of your birth, and then your heart stop beating. But there's more to life than that. There's more to life than that. I've got life for you. We heard the Good Shepherd say a few weeks ago, I've got life for you and life in its fullness. Life in abundance. I am the resurrection and the life. In, 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 uh, in Luke chapter 2, a man called Simeon, who, who, who was prophesied over him, you will see the Messiah, he goes to see baby Jesus and he says, my eyes have seen your salvation. In a prayer to God, my eyes have seen your salvation. He doesn't say, my eyes have seen who will bring us salvation. He says, my eyes have seen salvation. This child, this man, Jesus Christ, is 
salvation. He is the resurrection and the life. Not, I will be one day. Not, I am your way to resurrection. I am your way to life. I am resurrection. I am life. Mary's hope was in future resurrection. She said, I know he'll raise again on that day. When in the resurrection, Jesus says, I am. He pulls her future hope into the now. You're looking for this. You're hoping that one day, he says, now I am. Now I am. He might say that to you today. You're thinking, well, one day, I'm just letting the clock tick on and one day I'll be in heaven. One day it will be okay. Jesus can say to you today, I am your resurrection. I am the resurrection, the life. Get to know me now. I'm pulling the kingdom in now. You don't have to wait until, you, until your heart stops beating and to know resurrection life, to know salvation. I am right now. Trust me, I am life. I'm the answer to all the concerns you have about life, about death, about your time on this planet. Jesus clearly states that we are not really living life without him. He Effectively, he kind of says we're dead. Without God, without Jesus, without me, you're not living. Remember I said, what, what good would it be to raise a man who was crippled to walking again if he's still dead? My priority is that you find life, life in me. He he tells a story, do you remember the story of the prodigal son? There's two sons and one of them takes his father's inheritance and goes off and, and lives a wild life looking for life in this world. Looking for hope in this world. All the joys I can get now while I can. And he runs out. And he thinks, right, I'm desperate for money. He goes to work in a pig farm. Ends up eating the food, pig food, because he's so desperate. And he thinks, what am I doing? I might as well go and work for my father at least. On the way back to his father, he sees the father is looking out for him with open arms, runs to him, embraces him again. And the older brother, who has been saying, I've been working hard. I haven't run away. What, you're throwing a party? He throws a party for the other son who came back. You're throwing a party for him. I've been here. That'd be like us saying, what, that person's come back to church and we're letting them in. I've, I've been doing my daily studies. I go to church every week. I go to life group sometimes. I do all the stuff. And yet everyone's so chuffed about this person. But he says to him, it was fitting to celebrate and be glad. For this, your brother was dead and is alive. He was lost and is found. Jesus talks about being away from the father, separated from the father as death. His definition of death is separation from God. In John 12, 23 to 25, it says, Jesus answered them, The hour has come for the Son of Man to be glorified. Truly, truly, I say to you, unless a grain of wheat falls into the earth and dies, it remains alone. But if it dies, it bears much fruit. Whoever loves his life loses it. And whoever hates his life in this world will keep it for eternal life. So Jesus is talking something about himself here. I'm going to go into the ground. But I do that to bring life. I'm going to die and be resurrected. And I will bring new life when I do that. But he's also saying whoever loves his life loses it. Whoever loves life in this earth, he says in a minute, 
who hates his life in this world. So that's what he's talking about. If you love your life and you're like, I can't let go of this thing. God, you can have this, this, and this, but that you can't touch. I'm looking for that for hope and life. I'm looking for that. And I'm grabbing things in this world for life. He said, if you do that, you lose life. You miss the point. It's like, it's like Lazarus coming out of the tomb. You, you, if, you, if you keep the stone there, something between you and God, then life is stuck behind the stone. You've got to get that thing out of the way. So life can come out. That's the one thing that Jesus asked of them was, you need to remove the stone. So they removed the stone. There may be stones in our life where we've got something between us and God. He's saying, look, you can't say, yes, 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 God, and then know about this one thing and think that you're somehow winning. Think that somehow you've got a good deal. You've got to get rid of that thing so I can bring forth life in that area as well. Jesus' passion. Verse 33. When Jesus saw her weeping, and the Jews who had come with her also weeping, he was deeply moved in his spirit and greatly troubled. And he said, where have you laid him? They said to him, Lord, come and see. Jesus wept. So the, so the Jews said, see how he loved him. So we're looking at Jesus' passion. Why did he weep? Well, he's a compassionate God. He feels your sorrow. You may feel like I'm going through something pretty horrendous right now, or I'm going through something pretty tough or lonely. Well, you have a compassionate God. He feels sorrow. Feels sorrow for all the sadness and grief that you walk through. He's Emmanuel. He's God with us. Literally, the God who came to be with us. He knows every pain that you go through. He's a compassionate God. He understands. He weeps. He is the comforter. He grieves with them. Even though he knows, I'm going to raise this person, the sorrow that he sees around him causes him to grieve with them, causes him to come alongside them and weep. Even though he knows. He knows what you're going through. Some of you may be in real discomfort or just loneliness. And he is the God who sits with you, walks with you, comforts you. He's available for that. It says he's he's greatly troubled, grieving and acknowledging what's going on. He's greatly troubled. And actually in the original translation the original greek i think it was it's a word that is like a horse snorting <laughs> so it's not just you know a few tears sweaty eyes you know just uh, just hide that when you're in the cinema you know no he is he's troubled and stirred yes he's grieving with them but he's actually there's something of disdain there's something of anger there's something else going on he's stirred up about something and what it is, is he's, he's grieving and acknowledging sin and sickness and death in general. He knows it was never supposed to be this way. The Father made a perfect creation and sin came in and disrupted it all. Stirred in a load of mud and sickness and 
gross stuff that was not supposed to be here. He is deeply troubled. He looks around him. He's weeping people as, as death is around them. He knows behind this, this stone in this tomb is a rotting corpse and a stinking smell. And he knows it was never supposed to be like this. That is an unwelcome intruder. Death is an unwelcome intruder into God's perfect universe. God created men to live and prosper. And here is a rotting corpse, a friend of Jesus, who has succumbed to the distortion of God's creation through the state of fallen man and the sin that entered through Adam. His being the resurrection is restoring things to how they were supposed to be. That is part of Jesus saying, I am the resurrection. I am the one who brings everything as it was supposed to be. I bring restoration. I restore. I bring not just Lazarus back to life again, but I breathe what was supposed to be into him. Isaiah 25, 7 and 8 says, And he will swallow up on this mountain the covering that is cast over all peoples the veil that is spread over all nations. He will swallow up death forever, and the Lord God will wipe away tears from all faces. Jesus is not okay with death. He's not okay with it. And you may be grieving, or you may have gone through some horrendous grieving in your life. He is on your side about that. He's not okay with death. It is a distortion of the way the world was created. He will swallow up death forever. Hallelujah. We will go on to live for eternity with the Father. Jesus has swallowed it up. He's wiping away tears from faces. But maybe there's a spiritual death that he needs to swallow up in you. Maybe it's, I need to be resurrected spiritually. I need to trust in Jesus with my full life. I need to know that he is the giver of life. Again, you might know what that looks like for you. I can't tell you if, if, if you've got stuff going on in your life and it's, It needs to be swallowed up in Jesus. You need to challenge yourself with that. And number four, Jesus is proof. Jesus raises Lazarus to prove he is who he says he is and what he is doing. Verses 38 to 44. Imagine the scene. Jesus, deeply moved again, came to the tomb. It was a cave and a stone lay against it. Jesus said, take away the stone. Martha, the sister of the dead man, said to him, Lord, by this time there will be an odor, for he has been dead for four days. Jesus is saying, take it away. Trust me. Take it away. Like I said earlier, you may have things in your life between you and God. He says, trust me. If you don't take it away, life can't come out. Life can't come forward. Trust me. Take it away. But there will be an odor. It will be embarrassing. There will be people around will see and smell and there will... Bring it to the light. If there is something in your life you know, I'm embarrassed to sort this out. I'm embarrassed to get this out of the way. I'm embarrassed to roll this out of the way. Jesus is saying, if you don't, there's death. If you do, there's life. Trust me. Trust me. Roll the stone away. Jesus said to her, did I not tell you that if you believe, you would see the glory of God? So they took away the stone. And Jesus lifted up his eyes and said, Father, I thank you that you've heard me. I knew that you always hear me. But I said this on account of the people standing around, that they may believe that you sent me. When he had said these things, he cried out with a loud voice, 
Lazarus, come out. Now, I've heard people say it's a good thing he said Lazarus there. Because if the creator of life shouts, come out, you'd have all these corpses coming out. He had to say, Lazarus, come out. Make sure the right one came out. But he says, Lazarus, come out. And can you imagine what it must have been like in that moment for the people standing around? Their hearts must have been going, what is going to happen? The stone's away, looking, peering into this darkness. My heart is in my mouth, my, holding my breath. It must have been so intense. It must have been incredible. When he said these things, he said, Lazarus, come out. The man who had died came out, and his hands and his feet bound with linen strips, and his face wrapped with a cloth. Jesus said to them, unbind him and let him go. His authority and his proof of what he's saying, I am the resurrection and the life, just watch this. He's proving it. He's not just saying, I am the resurrection and the life, and you just need to trust me. He's saying, look. I am resurrection, I am life. Roll the stone away, Lazarus, come forth. And Lazarus' death and resurrection was a picture of the ultimate proof, the ultimate authority. Lazarus was was, was dead for a number of days. Jesus was going to go to his death. And then later, three days later, rise again. As we looked at a few weeks ago, no one takes my life from me, I give it up freely, and then I take it back up again. Three days later, Jesus rose again, displaying the victory he had won and validating everything he'd ever said. If he didn't rise from death, even the Bible says we're to be pitied above all people. If he didn't rise from death, it's all for nothing. He's just a bloke who said some weird things and did some tricks. And so what? He died. But he's the most influential man in history for a reason. He rose from the dead three days later. An author in London, pastor Adrian Warnock, says, Jesus' life had achieved only a three-year period of notoriety that would have faded quickly if his crucifixion had been the end. The resurrection of Jesus is the key event in human history that makes sense of all of the Old Testament references to resurrection, and the rest of the New Testament teaching flows from this event. 1 Corinthians 15 says, if Christ did not rise, then our preaching is in vain, and so is your faith. It all hinges on this. The ultimate proof is that we have a God who defeated death, defeated sin at the cross, and then validated it, vindicated it when he rose again. It's like the Father was there saying, you passed the test, now go again. You passed, you did everything I asked of you, you never sinned, you lived a perfect life, you loved everyone perfectly, you were the perfect son, you you died the death that should have been our punishment. And the father says, now go again, go, be raised. It validates everything that he has said. The Bible itself, not scared of saying that. If Christ did not rise from the dead, our whole faith is futile. But we know Christ came as the resurrection and the life. He died. He rose again. And he will come again. Hallelujah. We sang, oh happy day. Death is beaten. You have rescued me. Jesus is alive. 
empty cross, empty grave, life eternal. He has won. He is the resurrection and life. I plead with you, if you're finding life in any other area at the moment, it's not life. It's maybe, it may be even satisfying. There's an interesting psalm, Psalm 73, where Asaph uh, writes it. And he says, I look around me at all the prosperity of the evil people. So we can find prosperity in other places. We can. I mean, you, you may think, I need, I need to be a success business, in business. And you can get there. Yes, great. You could say, I need a great marriage. And you can get it. Great. Not that those things are evil, but they're prosper. But they are not life. That's what Jesus is saying. I am resurrection. I am life. I plead with you, only look to Jesus to find these things. If you're finding joy in other areas, hand it over to Jesus and find that real life will come forth. And pray for us. Father God, we just thank you that you're so kind to us that you offer life, offer life in abundance, that you could have left us dead in our sins, dead in our trespasses. But you came that we would have life and have it in its fullness. And God, we just want to surrender to you. And no, God, take away the stones in our life that prevent you from, from bringing forth life. Take away the things that we say, no, you can't have that. Help us today to respond maturely to you, to respond humbly to you, to say, God, I want to find life in you alone. Not one day, not when I die, but now, Jesus, I want to know you now. The resurrection and the life right now. Wouldn't you arrest our attention, arrest our hope and joy that we would have it in you? In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for listening to audio from Hope Church Ipswich. Please feel free to make a copy of this content, but please do not edit the content in any way.